one day. Hallelujah. Go around and greet some of your family of faith. Children, you're dismissed. We're so happy to have you here with us this morning. All right, well, good morning, everybody. It's good to have you today. We'll take up tithe and offering out of those. Still getting the kids down, checked in kids' church. But prep your tithe and offering. If you have something to give, envelopes in the chair in front of you, or wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. But we're glad you are here today. Hopefully having a very good weekend. 
I went fishing with Blake yesterday and I struck out. Um, it's Blake's fault, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Blake's not here to defend himself right now in the, in the room, but anyways. <laughs> I had a good time. It was fun. Um, we appreciate your giving as you, as you bring uh, your tithes and your offering this morning, the increase of your life and honor to God. The Bible says that the tithe is holy unto him. And we give out of response to the goodness of God. How many know that God is good? He knows that. Yeah. And our giving is a reflection of that. And we believe that God will always be before us and in front of us um, in provision, that, that we will never be in a place where God has left us or forsaken us, but he's always with us, and in that is the provision that he provides. So I'm going to have Nathan come up and pray over tithe and offering. If you want to give me this mic, Chris, um, and after Nathan prays, if you would come down and bring it down to the front. Go ahead, Nathan. All right. Father, we just thank you for all your grace you give to us, Lord. We just, we, we're just so blessed to have you as our Father, God, and and to know that you are our provider, Lord, and when, when all else fails, Lord, that we know we can trust in you, and we don't have to worry about you, Father God, and, and that's why we believe that our giving and our faithfulness to you is, is an act of worship, God, because we know, Lord, that no matter what, you're going to sustain us, Lord. The same God that sustained us, Father God, God through everything before this inflation we're looking at, everything before all these problems we're seeing is the same God that's going to sustain us even if gas hits $10 a gallon. You're still going to sustain us the way you did before. We just worship you. God, I pray that you would just bless everybody who gives and bless everybody who don't give, Father God. And we just we give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Nathan. Bring it down if you have it this morning do some uh, quick announcements um, while we're doing that. Don't forget, uh, we have churchwide prayer every Monday from 6 to 7. So if you haven't been a part of churchwide prayer, I encourage you to come out. It's right here, and uh, we as a church, we're a praying church. We believe in the power of prayer, and we believe that is the first step in anything we do. Uh, one, one thing that you can always remember is, in your mind, in life, keep this in mind, pray first. I mean, all I'm talking about. Pray first. No matter what happens, pray first. Well, I'm going to go talk to this person and get some advice. Okay, pray first. You see what I'm talking about? Everything in life, big things, little things. Get up in the morning, pray first. All right, so set your day. So in life, learn how to pray first. Anyway, so uh, second announcement, September the 9th. It's coming up pretty quick. We have uh, rented out the Southwest Bowl from 7 to 9 p.m. A couple hours of just family and faith having fun together cost you nothing unless you want to eat there. That's on you. But as far as entrance, shoes, and all that business, uh, we cover it. So come on out and have a good time. We'll probably throw a prize out for the highest bowl, maybe prize for the lowest score, too. Uh, hopefully we won't have to put anybody in the bumper lanes. But whatever, um, 7 to 9 p.m. on September 9th. It's a Friday night Southwest Bowl. And one more announcement the ladies how many ladies in the house this is for you october the 8th saturday night 6 p.m is the women's bonfire so if you want information about that see margo and she'll tell you what's going on from that it'll be at our place we'll carpool everybody over there and all that kind of stuff so that'll be a good time other than that that's all i got so get your bibles out if you brought your word i hope you bring your bibles to church 
Um, I know we put stuff up on the screen, but I think it's good for you to follow along with your Bibles. Um, series that we started last week, today, and also next week, I want to talk to you about sharing your faith. How many of you count yourself among the saved? You have an encounter with God where he has saved you. Amen. Do you know that you're not to keep that to yourself? Jesus is not your privatized Savior. That when you get him, he's yours. Uh, it's almost like he belongs to you. You kind of you know, keep him within you. And, and in a certain way, maybe even not even let anybody know you have him. It's, it's not like that. Jesus has saved you, but you're part of this big, giant picture of God saving his creation. Amen. And Jesus came. We got the whole incarnation. God comes. God in flesh. God comes in flesh to save us. Luke, Luke chapter uh, 19 and verse number 10. It says, for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, for Jesus came to seek and to save who? Who? You know that Jesus, when he came, was incarnated in flesh, God in flesh, he sought out those who were lost. You know that. Matter of fact, he ended up eating with the sinners and the tax collectors. And the religious people got all mad about it. Isn't that right? He sought out those who needed saved. That's the work of our Savior, to bring salvation. That's what he was about. And as we said last week, let me, let me remind you that God is, is, is distracted by what is lost. Now, did he inhabit the praises of his people, us, this morning? Yes. Is he here with us now? Yes. But God is distracted by what is lost. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. Like the, like the woman who loses the coin, she searches until she finds the coin. He's distracted by what is lost. Remember we were talking about this last week? How many ever lost something that really ultimately wasn't all that valuable, but it distracted you till you found it, it bugged you? Anybody? How many of you lose things consistently? Anybody? Okay. You know, you know what I'm talking about. At the end of the day, it's not the most important thing but yet it totally takes your attention and takes your time and you're looking because you want to have that's what's lost. That's how God is. He's distracted. Now, now, it's not what he's looking for is actually important, unlike whatever you lost, but it is important and he's distracted by what is lost so much that he would even leave the 99 to go get the one. That's a God who saves. But, but if we notice, as we know the story, that Jesus, after his resurrection, he ascends into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father in power with all things in submission to him. Okay, but he's not here in physical form. He's not here. But then he sends the Holy Spirit, who begins his work in the world, and one of the works of the Spirit is to empower us to be his what? What are we empowered to be by the Holy Spirit? His what? His witness. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. Now, let me tell you something. If you think about us at the courtroom scene, what are you in the courtroom scene? Are you the judge? Nope. Are you the prosecutor? Nope. Are you the defense? Nope. Are you the jury? Now, what are you? You're the witness. 
Your job is to testify according to what has been done. That's your place. Jesus comes to save, but he ascends, sends the Holy Spirit to empower us to be the witness in the world. We're not to keep Jesus to ourselves, so we must learn how to share our faith. So last week, we, we gave four reasons why we should share our faith. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go check it out. But today I want to talk to you about what exactly do I share. Now, my goal in this whole thing is to absolutely positively de decomplicate this. I think sometimes when we think about sharing our faith, we make it too hard. Well, you mean I'm called to evangelize? Well, well yeah. Does that mean I've got to go knock on doors and, and just cold call people about Jesus? No. If you want to do that, that's fine, but no. Does that mean I've got to stand on the street corner and make signs that Jesus saves or the end is near? Or, you know, I don't, no, I would encourage you not to do that. You can talk to people there, but leave the signs alone. Um, I mean, I got to get on a plane and fly to another country and, and, and go to some place and tell somebody I don't even speak their language about Jesus. No, you can do that. that. That's cool, too. But no, you don't have to do that. But to learn how to share your faith in the context of your everyday life, that's what we're called to do. So how do I do so? What do I share? So let's talk about that today. So I got some points we'll throw up on the screen. Here's the first one. Learn or share the hope that we have. Share the hope that we have. Now, I hope you have hope. I hope Jesus has done enough for you that you have hope, or you realize what he's done for you in such a way that you have hope. But we learn to share the hope that we have. So 1 Peter chapter 3. Everybody get your Bibles. Let's go to 1 Peter one of the, the letters written by Peter that we have in our Bible. 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse number 15. 1 Peter 3, 15. There we go. Okay, so, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, and always be prepared to make a defense or to share to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, let me, let me make a point right here. How would anybody know to ask you that? Be prepared to give an answer, give a reason for the hope that you have. But, how would anybody know that? How, how do they know that you have a hope in you? Because here's what happens. Here's the Christian life. We experience everything everybody else experiences. Is that true? But we respond differently. And there's something about the way we're responding because we have Jesus, what we're growing in. There may be something that causes somebody to go, wait a minute, what's up with you? So, so there's something that's happening here. You give a reason to share when you're asked, a reason for the hope that you have. And notice what, what Peter goes on to say. And maybe for some people this may be hard, but this is the scriptures. Yet do it with what? Gentleness and what? Respect. Let's keep reading there. Having a good conscience 
so that when you are slandered, and that probably may happen, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, and that's something that may happen. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So we must be prepared to share the reason for the hope that we have. So, Lila, throw that point back up, that, point, that first point. There's three things here. And that's really what amounts to your story. You realize your story is important. Your story. Now, here's what I know. Let me just say this. The reason for the hope that you have will center around Jesus, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but it really centers around what has God done for me? Now, how many of you in the room, don't raise your hand, consider yourself a Bible theologian? Probably not many of you. How many of you feel like you have all the answers to every question that can be asked? I hope you don't, I actually hope you don't feel like that. Um, I mean, in other words, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to know, have all the answers. No, nor do you have to feel like you're perfect. But yet you have something to share and your story. You may not be able to explain everything here or answer every question that you may be asked, but you have a story, and it centers on these three things. How did you realize that you needed Jesus? What happened? What was going on in your life that you came to a realization that I need Jesus? That's your story. For me, it was I was 17 years old. I grew up in church. I sort of did the church thing. But 17 years old, lots of things happening in my life. All of a sudden, I came to a realization that, and I told you this before, I literally gave in because he was after me. God was always after me. When I was a teenager, uh, always wasn't doing the right thing, always wasn't living the right way. I'll never forget on a Wednesday night, I went to church, the youth group, and my youth pastor's name was Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob knew I probably wasn't living right, but he kept reaching out to me. And one Wednesday after church, he said, hey, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. And you know what the Lord laid on my heart? Boom, boom, boom about you. I was like, oh. It was true, but I was like, oh. Like I was offended. Oh. I mean, God was always after me, always chasing me. When I was 17, I, I gave in to his leading and his drawing. I came to a place that I knew I needed Jesus, I needed forgiven, I needed saved. That's my story. But then, here's something that's really important. How did you commit your life to Jesus? And this is where it decomplicates it for everybody. All I did was ask. I think some people think you've got to get better to belong, but no, in order to get better, you need to belong. And you belong first. And you, you know, we don't put like the, this card out, cut out cardboard image of Jesus and you got to fit through it perfectly to belong. No, 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 no. He, he takes you as you are. So you realized you needed him. And then you share. And it was, you know how easy it was? I just said, Lord, Lord, forgive me of my sin. That's how I committed my life to Jesus. You know how easy that was? The Bible calls it a gift. It's always sitting in front of people. All they got to do is just unwrap it and open it. And then, what has he done in my life since I made that decision? And if you've been doing this for a little bit, you probably have some things to share. So I was an angry young man that 
that had sins in my life, and none of that was changed overnight. But I'll tell you what, today in my life, verses 17, when I got saved, there is a world of difference. What has he done for me? What has he done? You know how easy it is to share that? This is my story. This is what God has done for me. So when I share the hope that I have, I share, I came to a place I know I needed him, and this is how I committed my life to him. It was so easy. And this is what he has done for me. I think everybody can do that. Do you believe you can do that? That's sharing your faith. That, that is fulfilling a calling, as we talked about in your life last week. Everybody's called to share your faith. So the first thing is, I share the reason for the hope that I have. Here's the second thing. Number two, share Jesus. Okay, you, that, that, now that's involved in your story, but there's some things that you can kind of get into a little more with them because when you share Jesus, now you can easily share the problem, you can share the solution, and then there may be a response right there. So, so what is the problem? Romans 3.23. Throw it up there for me, Lila. Romans 3.23. So here's two ways that we can express the problem that there is. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned. For all have sinned. Who's all? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is the problem, and it's a problem for everybody. Here's another part of the problem, Romans 6.23. You jump there for me, Lila. Romans 6.23. Because of this problem, the wages of sin is what? For the wage of sin is death. That's the problem. Everybody's in sin, and everybody's headed for some sort of death where everybody physically died, but there is a, a death of separation from God. That's the problem. And everybody has the problem. So what is the solution? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus, our Lord. That's the solution. Go, go to Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. And there is salvation, talking about Jesus, in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see that? The problem, the wages of sin is death. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But the solution is that there is one, one name, and the only one under heaven by which we must be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. John chapter 14, verse number 6. This is, this is one I think a lot of you are familiar with. John chapter 14, verse number 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father, in other words, reconciled relationship with the Father, except through me, through Jesus. So the problem is sin, and the answer is Jesus. Do you believe? 
That's part of your story. See, the, the reason that you came to a place where you felt like you needed to save was because somewhere, and however you would put it, whatever was going on, you realized that sin was a problem and you needed to save. And then the second thing, how did you commit your life to Jesus? Well, because you realized that he's the answer. Some of you guys, some of you guys that are older remember a song. I don't know how old this song is. I think I remember singing it when I was a kid. Jesus is the answer of all the world today. How many remember that song? Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. How many remember that song? Somebody, yeah, only the old folks raise their hand. <laughs> all the old folks. He is the only answer. He is the answer of all the world today. Of all the world today. Of all of the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Amen? Now, I'm going to come back to the response, that, that third point at the very end. I'm going to skip and come back to that. But here's one more thing you can do. So, so you're sharing your story, which ultimately leaves you sharing to Jesus. But here's one more thing you can do, number three. Share your church. Throw it up there. Share, share your church. Throw that up, Lila. I hope, I have a hope here. I hope that you like your church. I do. I hope you enjoy coming to church, okay? So I hope that part of all this is you share your church. Why? Because this is one way that somebody can be exposed to Jesus. Amen? So here's what we do. We pray for them, not only for their salvation, but for an open door maybe to come to church. The second thing is that you add value to them. This is how you add value to somebody. Watch this. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. So, so here's something I teach when, when, uh, for, for people that work with teenagers. Here, here's a catchphrase. Effective relationships precede effective ministry. In other words, they don't care what you know until they, they know that you care. That's why your most effective way of seeing somebody come to know Jesus and then enter into a long-term discipleship is through contact and relationship. They don't care what you know until they know that you care. You have to add value to people because they are people. But, but now, wait a second. That means you have to care for people that aren't saved. Now, I hope that didn't rock your world. Because it did, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. That you have to, you have to care and love people who don't know Jesus. Right? And when they start to see you actually have a care, you actually are doing this whole thing of loving your neighbor as yourself when you're doing this. And that, that, that doesn't just apply for people sitting in this room that we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves in the context of life. That is why somebody might ask, what, what is this? Why do you always seem to be different when everybody else is responding this way? Why? Part of it is because you love your neighbor. Because the way that shows up in a lot of ways is how you treat people. Did you learn how to care for somebody that's not saved? So you add value to them. You pray. I would encourage you, look, 
I would encourage you to have a prayer list of people that you know personally that don't know Jesus, that they come to salvation in Jesus. Pray. Pray. Have a list. People on your list. So, so I know I have extended family that's not saved. I pray for them. I, I believe that, that people that, that I'm around, we're going to talk about the attitude of sharing your faith next week. Here's sort of a catchphrase. I'll give you a little hint of next week. That, that people that know me, that I show Jesus in such a way that people that know me will want to know Jesus even if they don't know Jesus. Because I have value to them, but I'm praying for them. Listen, I'll tell you what. Your prayer life says a lot about what you care for. Your prayer life sort of exposes you. So if all I'm doing is asking God for stuff, that's your priority, that's what you care about. Yeah, you take your knees to him, whatever. But, but if, if your prayers are always self-focused, I would encourage you to get out of self-focused prayer. Pray for yourself, you need to. But are you praying for others? Your prayer life sort of exposes you. Are you praying for others? So, so in, in my daily, not, I don't have perfect prayer life, but my, my daily prayer life is I'm praying for my family, my kids who are far, my kid who's sort of near. Um, I'm praying for my wife. I'm praying for my extended family. And then, then I pray for who? You. I pray for my church. Okay, then I actually pray for that church and that staff. I'm pray, and yet, do I pray for myself? Yep, I pray for myself that God will strengthen me and give me wisdom. But, but it's not just me focused. It's, it's very outward in a lot of ways. And we pray for our town that we're in, right? What's the highest priority of our prayer? What do we really want? What is the most important thing that people come to know Jesus and enter into a long, long-term, lifelong discipleship? But one of the ways you can help that process along is pray for them, add value to them, and invite them to church. If you know, I'm not asking... You ask people to go to other churches, but you know people that don't attend the church, invite them to come. You never know what will happen. This place could be a place of salvation, too. We, we pray that there's a house of salvation, that people will come to know Jesus here. Amen. Bring them to church. All right, go, go back to that second slide, Lila's second point. Here's the response. So, we know the problem's sin. We know the solution is Jesus. We share that in our story. But here, here is the wonder of the response. Romans chapter 10. And verses 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts, there's been raised from the dead, you will be saved. That confession is like, like uh, when, when I married my wife, I said, I do. That, that is a lifelong commitment of I do. Better or worse, sickness and health, rich or poor, whatever goes on is lifelong commitment. It's confessing, I confess. 
and it comes out from something going on in my heart, I believe. I respond in faith to the word about Christ. I respond in faith. I believe. In that moment is forgiveness and regeneration. Made brand new. It all happened because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a free gift. That's the response. That's what we're called to. I want... Okay, I want you to think about something. You know, we see in the Bible things like, okay, there, there's a narrow road, right? A narrow gate and a narrow road. There's a wide way. And there, there's more people on the way of the wide than narrow. There's more people headed to destruction than on the narrow. I don't think that, is my opinion, take it or leave it, I don't think God in heaven looks at that and go, oh, well, I got a couple on the narrow. I got about 5 10% going. I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. I got some percentage. I'm good with it. How, how, many, how many of you would think that's not the way he is? Anybody? Oh, okay, good. My opinion's probably not wrong then. He looks at the wide road and desires every single person on the wide road to be on the narrow road. That's what he wants. That is what his heart is. That's why the Bible uses the phrase, whoever would believe, whoever would believe, would not perish. Okay, Christianity is not a club where we're guarding the doors and us getting to choose who gets in and who doesn't. We don't have to, we don't have to defend the narrow road. You can't come, and you can't come, and you can't come. Who puts somebody on the narrow road? He does. The gate is Jesus, and the narrow road is the way of life. We don't, it's not our job. Our job is that whoever's there, let's do this together. Let's help one another, right? I think this should be our heart, too. That... We understand fully because of the difference that Jesus has made in our lives, you know, your story. You should desire that same difference for every person you come in contact with. Everybody. And that you have a value to them in such a way that I'm going to share my faith. Because right here, right now, I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. For him. As Peter said, then I do with gentleness and respect. What, what if they slander me? What if they're offended? Okay. Okay. I can't change that. But that does not deter me from sharing my faith and what God has done for me. This is my story. Amen. So I want to encourage you. We're, we'll talk about the attitude more next week. You're called to share your faith. People need Jesus. People want Jesus. They may not even know it, but they want Jesus, right? And in those different things that we are people who are responding as a purpose of the body of Christ to say, we're not going to keep Jesus to ourselves. He is absolutely the answer. Let's decomplicate this. Let's just start telling people what we believe. And why we believe it. What, what has God done? And hopefully, 
we're living in such a way that people actually ask. They'll want to know. You want to talk about, you want to talk about the door like wide open. Some, some people are worried about striking up the conversation. Man, when somebody says, hey, they, they just chuck that door so wide open, you're just like, wow, this is amazing. You walk through. Let, let me just tell you something. Let me just share something with you. Amen? Let's be a people like that. So here's what I want to do. I'm a little, it's only 11 o'clock. I'm a, I'm a, I want you to practice something and do something for a couple moments before I pray. So I'm not closing. I'm going to close in a minute. I want you, if you don't have something to write with, use your phone. I said, everybody's probably got a phone. You have a little thing in there where you can take notes. I know that because I use it, okay? If you don't, I want you right now to write down some names of people that you know personally that don't know Jesus. Write your names down. Go ahead, right now. Let's, let's practice together. Give, give me an opportunity to put something in practice. And write their names down. And then what you can do is you can start today to commit to pray for them. For what? They come to know Jesus. That God, God radically grabs a hold of them somehow, some way. So, so while you're doing that, you write some names down, people you work with, family members, uh, I, I don't know, if you, if you hang out with people at the park or something, I, I don't know, whoever it is. I want to tell you something. You can't change somebody's will by your prayer, but you can begin to set up the conditions for Jesus to constantly and things to happen, or even for you yourself to be the answer for your prayer. Here's what I believe. I believe that when you pray with, for somebody so consistently, then eventually you're moved to do something about it because all of a sudden you're going to come to a realization, oh, you know what, I can do something about this. <laughs> this, this. This is actually in my realm of possibility. I can tell them about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So, so write something. You, you could end up with two names. You could, I don't know, you could end up with ten names. But, but have names of people and start to pray for them. Now, as you're putting names down, do those people know that you care for them? That's a big question. So you can put those names down right below it. You can put, do they know I care? Question mark. Do they know I care? Now, if you go, oh, I don't, well, man, I, I have no idea if they know I care. What can you do about that? What can you do about that? You start thinking of ways, prayerfully thinking of ways to connect and to see doors open to share Jesus. You see, you see what I'm getting at? This is taking us right down to a simple level right here. Pray for them, show that you care, and then maybe the opportunities will come to share the hope that you have. I believe, I believe that this church is a house of salvation, but this is not the house of salvation. We're one of um, thousands of ways somebody may meet Jesus. We're just part of it. 
You, you realize that, that every time you leave this place, so, so in, uh, in my youth ministry, there was a central door that everybody had to go. It was a double door that swung out, and I had a sign printed. I put it right above the door, and it was the verse to the Great Commission, go into all the world. Put that verse above the door. Every time they left, if they just kind of looked above, that verse would go in their brain as they're leaving. Because I wanted them to know, every time you leave here, we're a body together. When you go, you are the body. You're the body. And you take Jesus as his hands and feet to the world. What's your world? It's, it's your workplace. It's the neighborhood in which you live. It's your family gathering. It's your own household. It's all these different things. That I am the body. I take Jesus. What am I supposed to do? Give them. Here is the cycle of the church. I receive, I go out, and I give. What has God done for you? Then go give it to somebody else. That, that's even money. When God blesses you, that means you can build bigger barns. and store, nah, not to store your stuff. It's to go out and do something. God, God has brought you salvation. He freely gave it to you. Go out and give it. That's the cycle of the church. That, that's happened. You come here to be equipped. We grow together. We bear one another's burdens. We help each other. Then when you go, you're the body out there. That's how the gospel goes. To who? These people I'm praying for. And who knows? Maybe it's a random person you run into at Walmart or, or a restaurant or I don't know. It's not contained to your acquaintances, but it can be anybody. You just never know the opportunities that will come your way. This is a church that evangelizes the world. Amen? I believe, I believe this church is going to continue to grow. It's been growing. I believe it's going to, you know, and I believe it's going to continue to grow with people that are being saved. You know what I want as a church? This is what I want as a church. How many of you have been saved for more than 20 years. Wow, okay, that's a good group. That's a good group. We have what I consider an older generational church, and we've had people here that have been saved a long time. I want a multi-generational faith church that we also have the babies in Jesus here too. Right? So when we talk about being a multi-generational church, that's in two ways. I want physically the babies, and we got them, all the way up to the older folks. You guys are good at bringing it all, okay? But I want that in faith, too. I want the babies in Jesus. And, and you know what the job is of us older in Jesus? To help the babies in Jesus. That's the church doing its job. You're not here just for yourself. There were multi-generational age, but also in faith. Why? Because we're out sharing the gospel. You see what I'm getting at? That's what I want to see as a church. And then, then, then we lock arms, we help each other. You know, uh, it, it's an interesting thing. So I take, as you know, I take people hiking. We, sometimes we do some hike hikes. And you can tell pretty quick those that, that are out front, you can tell pretty quick those that are lagging behind. Right? It is always the job of those up here to help those back here or else there'll be a separation. See, see, those people in that group, they're supposed to be helping one another. They're not enough hike for themselves. We're, we're doing this together. Together. 
And sometimes the pastor, I'm like, hey, you guys out front, turn around, come back and help those back here. Well, don't get too far out. We lost. I won't put a name on it. Way back there. Wait, wait, no, 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 we should have lost. Let's go get them. I, I wasn't going to put a name on it. Anyways, um, <laughs> but we're, we're helping. That's the church. Do you realize during that hike, anybody can say, I'm not doing this anymore, and they can quit? That happens. That happens. Sometimes people exit from the group. That happens. Just, that's just church. For those that want to be, we're in this together, growing together, helping one another. Why? Because there's different, different capacities in that group. Different places in their walk, different things going on. Multi-generational, together. Amen? All right. Start praying for those names. Start showing that you care. Then let's see what God will do, that we're a church that shares our faith. All right, let's pray. Lord, Lord, I pray that you inspire us to share our faith. Lord, I pray that you inspire us to take the gospel to the world, that we don't keep it for ourselves. But Lord, as we have been freely given to, that we go out and freely give. So I thank you, Jesus, that you have saved each one of us. But I pray, Lord, that there is a greater work happening. But I do want to ask this morning, if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, you've never asked for the forgiveness of your sins, I want to tell you, is the greatest thing you can ever do in your life. The greatest thing. Because there is a problem, but Jesus is the solution. That's what he's all about. So I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. But I'm just going to simply ask right where you're at, raise your hand, because what I want to do is we want to pray, and I want to catch up with you before you leave today. But you want to... Say, Jesus, I do need you. That's anybody. Slip your hand up real quick. Anybody else? Okay, anybody else? Anybody else? And a couple hands there. So let's, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the one who has come to seek and save the lost. Lord, forgive us our sins. So if you raise your hand, just, just pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confess that you're the Savior of the world. You are Lord of everything. And I believe that in my heart. Do those things while I'm praying. Lord, those, those that come into you today, Lord, there, there is a connection, there is this, a life with you, Lord, that you begin to be the way and the truth of their life. Just by asking those things, that relationship with the Father is taken care of, but now the life to live. Help us in that. Help them in that. I pray that we do this together, Lord. We, we thank you for bringing us together and calling us a family of faith. In Jesus' name, everybody says,
Amen. Amen. Well, it was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to have you all today. Wednesday night, we're back next Sunday. Bring somebody out, invite people to church. If there's chairs open, 